Welcome to the More Than OK podcast, a well-being and family podcast about tips, strategies and stories on how to be more than OK. I'm Belinda Bray. I am a wife, a mum and a teacher and I love learning about well-being and I love taking what I've learnt into my everyday life, into my family and into my classroom and I'm excited to bring you along the journey so you can be more than OK. Welcome to the More Than OK podcast, a family podcast to help you and your family to be more than OK. This is a special episode of More Than OK because we have a live audience. So I'm really excited. Oh, yes, they even contributed. Uh, This is a school event that we are holding at Highlands and we're in our church auditorium and we are here talking about social media. So we've got some really great information for you and some experts in their field to talk to you about social media and your family. So we were going to have a lovely staff member who's on our campus team. Her name's Bri. She was going to come and talk to you. She's amazing. She's our marketing guru, but she's also really savvy with social media. Her, she's had some family stuff this week, so she couldn't be with us. But David and I, we've got it. We'll cover it. So our first section tonight is um, presented by David Wilcox. And if you've listened to the podcast, you would have heard him. And a lot, most of the people in the audience would have met David at some point. Uh, he is our director of middle years, uh, brilliant with um, the adolescent brain. He's on the, what are you, David, the board of the Adolescent Success? Have been, not at the moment. So okay, have been. National Secretary of Adolescent Success. Yeah, so he knows a lot about adolescence. He knows a lot about the brain, knows just a lot about teaching and has been in this world for a long time. So I'm really grateful to work with David. We work really well together. We have lots of great conversations that could make great podcasts just over morning tea. We have lots of good things to talk about. But I'll hand it over to David, who's going to talk to you about stuff. <laughs> Thank you, David. Thank you so much, Belinda. Uh, and welcome, everybody. Um, so I want to, I guess, focus as we begin on social media and give you, I want you to imagine like an Iroquois helicopter that went through on Anzac Day the other day. It's going to be this massive flyover and it's going to be fairly fast and there is no way we can cover all of the stuff that we probably could or should cover in the time that we've got. But if I can whet your appetite and you can go and do some research yourself afterwards, then I think the time will be valuable, right? But uh, I I guess what I want to uh, help you understand to begin with is that some of the stuff we're going to talk about is actually about our students here at this school. So uh, we did a a survey with year seven students, sorry, year eight students and year nine students. And you've got the stats up there. It was 101 students participated in this. So I wanted to get a sense of what is it really like? What are these kids really thinking about that that are our kids in our school, in our particular context? So you can see it was roughly split 50-50 males and females. Uh, There were more year eights than year nines. Uh, which probably says something about, you know, the, the volunteer aspect of do you want to do this in year nine? went, yeah, and then went, yeah, nah. Um, interestingly, and you'll see this in a moment, there were about 21 of those kids who actually said that they do not use social media. And we're going to explore that a little bit in a moment. And I'm going to race through uh, some stats uh, that we got from these kids. It'll give you a bit of a, like this broad brush stroke of our own kids in our own context. So let's have a look. We are going to be focusing on social media and here are some of the social media sites that these young people were uh, a part of. So 41 of them were hooked into Discord, 36 into TikTok, 34 into Snapchat, 36 into Instagram. Uh, As I said, about 20 odd were not involved with social media at all. Two of them I'm going to talk about a little bit later on that I think is most concerning is that there were a few kids who were into both Omegle and Tumblr, and I'll, under, I'll help you understand why, especially with Tumblr, that's something that's a little, uh, sorry, with uh, Omegle, that's something that's a little bit concerning, but we'll get to that in a moment. There are some interesting t- statistics that came out of this, and this is one of them. For these young people, I gave them a rating of one to five saying, how important is social media? And you can see on the graph here, most of them said, a one and a two. In other words, not that important. I don't believe them. But that's interesting that that's what they believe, that social media is not that important to them. How much time do they spend online? 
29% of those 100 kids spent more than three hours on social media every single day. Don't tell me that it's not important to them. It is. 62% of those kids were online for at least an hour a day by their own estimate. All right. I asked them, is social media good for you? And look at this. Most of them said, one, no. So they know it's not good for them. Why? And they gave me a bunch of reasons, and I've just put four of them up there. They spoke about cyberbullying. They spoke about toxic people online. They spoke about something being unsafe. And they spoke about creepy, random, bad people online. So they've got the rhetoric around why this is not good but they don't actually have the skills to filter, is it good, is it not good, do I like it, should I be there? And I'll help you understand a little bit why as we get through in a few minutes time. Now this one's interesting too. I asked the question, do your parents like you using social media? And their answer was 21 said yes, 30 said no, that's pretty much the same, but look at this. 50% of the kids who were surveyed said, I actually don't know. I don't know whether my parents think it's a good idea or not. So parents, it is so important that you communicate perspectives around what is good and what is not good on social media. And hopefully tonight, you'll be able to walk away with some really key pieces of information to be able to say to your kids, you know what, I actually don't think this is good. And here's some of the reasons why. 46% said that they had seen something online that made them feel uncomfortable or scared. That's nearly half of those kids. 20% said they'd been hurt by an online comment and a bit similarly, about 16% said that they actually regretted something that they posted online. They're starting to get a sense of the dangers of the online world because they're being exposed to it themselves. And despite the fact that most social media sites will say you can have an account at 13, there is a large number of young people who are accessing social media from eight and nine. And some of the damage that we know that social media can do is having a very significant impact on their lives at a very, very young age. So what are the dangers? Are they really dangers? So I wanna to say to you, social media is not bad. Nothing about the online world is bad. But neither could I really say anything about the online world is good. It simply exists. It's what it's, what's used or how it's used that makes it either good or bad. I'm sure you've got social media. There's an awful lot of really good stuff about social media. I hooked into Facebook uh, 2006. I'd just been overseas, living overseas for six months, and one of the teachers I was working with overseas, when I got back, he sent me this, this link to join a thing called Facebook. Never heard of it. And I kind of went back and said, Andrew, what's this about? I've never heard of it. He said, oh, and it's great. It's a social media thing. You get to connect with people. And I went, all right, let's try it. And it became really valuable for me because all of those people I had met when I lived in Canada for those six months, they started getting onto Facebook and I had really strong connections with them. We know that that's a good thing. Yet we also know that things like Facebook and many other social media platforms are really negative as well. So it's not about whether they are good or bad, it's about how they're used and by whom they are used. And that's the predatorial aspect that can happen with social media. And unfortunately in our world, we have got predators who are constantly wanting to get into the lives of our young people. You and I see it. We see scams and all of those sorts of things and you think, oh, how could anyone be scammed by something? And yet it happens. I don't know what the stats are at the moment, but it's several billion dollars a year in Australia that is lost to people who are being scammed. And social media is so similar to that in many ways. There are lots and lots of scary people out there who want to get into the lives, into the heads of our young people. So we need to be very aware of that as parents so that we can protect our kids in whatever way we can. Because there is this massive risk that our young people will have something stolen from them that is irreplaceable. Something stolen that they can never have back. 
Ruth Golke, who is our counsellor here at school, has spoken with me about young people that she speaks to, primary school age people who say, I saw something online and I can't forget it. I can't get rid of that out of my mind. It has fundamentally changed the life of that young person. And it makes me both intensely angry and in a sense intensely scared for our young people because so many of them don't know how to fight against this. I wanna to talk to you about some apps. This is not anything I wrote, I stole it offline, okay? Um, but I want you to see some of the things that other people are talking about in terms of particular social media platforms and why they are a risk. TikTok, 35% of our kids were hooked into it. What's bad about it? Lots of inappropriate language in videos. And look at this, anybody can view the videos that are there. There's no block that says, oh, only certain people can see this. Your kids can hook into uh, TikTok and they can see anything that is posted there spe specifically by their friends who may not have the same values as you would like in your own family. Snapchat, 33% of our kids were hooked into Snapchat. What are the dangers? The website I looked at for this one said there are inherent issues in the privacy and security issues uh, uh, of that website, of, of that uh, social media site. And look at this, even though stuff disappears, there is of course always that short window where someone's just gotta go screenshot and they've got that. It doesn't disappear and it, it can be sent around forever. You've probably heard of the term social media footprint. It's what is kept of you when you are online. And it's there, it's there forever. But particularly if someone is going to, you know, post something that might be inappropriate in a vulnerable moment in their life and someone screenshots it, it's completely out of their control who is gonna be able to see that now. It can be shared so easily. And we have students in our school who've been caught in exactly that situation and they are devastated. A good friend of mine is Michelle Mitchell. Some of you may know her uh, and uh, she does a lot of work around this. Get onto Michelle's website and have a look at some of the stuff that she speaks about uh, in terms of supporting young people. She's really now pulled her, her work down to tweens, pre-teenagers, to give them the skills that are necessary. MichelleMitchell.org, get in there, have a look at what uh, she says about things like Snapchat and the dangers for our young people. Tumblr, not a lot of kids were hooked into this. I'm kind of glad because it is so dangerous. Tumblr is basically, you can just go searching and find anything. There's really no uh, boundaries about what's gonna be put up there, posted up there, but the inappropriate, violent and pornographic content is very easily accessible on something like Tumblr. Content is public not private. Your kids could see anything and they could post anything. Instagram, I'm on Insta. I've been on Insta since late last year. I was very late, I'm really old. I was still on Facebook. Instagram, I have found it fascinating being on Instagram. If I had the time, I, I was actually thinking I would start a new account and set it up and show you how the algorithm works on there. Uh, if you've got it, you might know. It is so easy to set the algorithm algorithm on Instagram, it's ridiculous. All you've got to do, you can be scrolling through and you can pause on something to have a conversation with another person, come back, and that, whatever it was that was running there, will now feed the next bunch of images that will scroll through on Instagram. That algorithmic aspect of something like Instagram, it is just incredible. And it's so easy to rabbit hole. You know, Alice in Wonderland going down that rabbit hole. It is so easy to rabbit hole on something like Instagram because it will just feed you what you've paused on, what you've looked at more and more and more and more. Conspiracy theorists would love it because it will just feed whatever they want to be looking at. Twitch, I don't know too much about this one other than it is, as it says here, a social media platform for video gamers and it's like Discord in a sense, a lot of people in there, but it's a, the risk is live streaming. And of course, you don't know what's gonna come through that screen when it's live streaming. streaming. You don't know what's gonna be seen by your kids in that situation. Discord, 
41%. I, I would hazard a guess it's way, way, way more than that, really, in our school. It's a massive platform, especially for those kids, predominantly boys in many ways, who love being on gaming sites. And they use Discord as a way of communicating. But it can expose kids to all sorts of inappropriate content, hate speech, porn, bullying, online predators. Twitter. You might be surprised like it says there, but it's actually a go-to source for porn. They will just share through Twitter stuff that they're seeing. Omegle. I'm going to stop on this one. I only found out about Omegle oh, perhaps August, September last year. And I had no idea what it was. And it has deeply shocked me. And I'm going to show you a little video in a moment that will help you understand. But look what it says here. Omegle is a video chatting application that allows two parties to indulge in a video chat while being anonymous. The user addressed as you while the other person is stranger. You have no names. Basically, you jump on and the autobots in the background will connect you with a random person in a video chat. Perfect spot for predators who are after unsuspecting kids. Now, 5%. Yet, again, Ruth Golke, our counsellor, has spoken to me about kids who have specifically said to her, I have or I am using Omegle. She spoke to me just last week about a child she was seeing who was on Omegle as a primary aged child who saw something who did say, I can't forget what I saw. You may know Todd Sampson, and uh, he did, I think, a three-part series on Channel 10 called Mirror Mirror. Go and look at it sometime, and then afterwards consider whether you might actually go and look at it with your child. Watch it by yourself first. Here, he's on the project, and he's speaking about one little aspect of his whole programming there, and it's about Amigo. Let me play this for you. I won't let it all run. It's just about three minutes worth. So what sorts of things are they hiding? Well, well, I mean, I'm just wondering for my child. Well, I, 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 I can tell you one thing they're hiding is Omegle. So that website, which is the opening of the show, and it is borderline what you can and can't show on, on television, specifically in the 7.30 time slot. But uh, the, a former police officer in Western Australia, trend of the year, uh, he did this experiment for us to show us the impact of this site. And uh, basically, it's I was behind on the computer, and we hired a 19-year-old actress who posed as a 14-year-old. And without saying too much, within minutes, she was groomed. Uh, I was behind the screen typing to the person. So it's live cameras, live, like 40,000 videos connected to strangers. And their line is, talk to strangers. This actually made you snap, didn't it? You weren't happy about this. Yeah, well, at one stage, <laughs> I don't even know how I explained it, but at, at one stage, he's saying to the 14-year-old, get on your knees, take off your top. Get on your knees now. And, she, and I typed in, my mom's coming, I'm only 14, don't talk back to me. And then he, he just starts masturbating to her. And so I just, for a moment, just had a snap, and I run around to the front of the camera. And I say to, I look down the lens, and I say to him, you should be in jail. And the screen goes black. And then I go back to where I was sitting, and then he straight back to masturbating. So, sorry to push back on this, why is... There's a lot more there. And again, I would encourage you to have a look at it. How horrific is that? How simple it is for our young people to be exposed to that sort of filth from people. Now, it's easy to get scared. Um, it's easy to get scared for our kids. And in a sense, we should be. But better than being ex uh, scared, it's actually important that we do two things. First, understand why this is an issue. And then as Belinda's gonna to talk to you in a short while, have some strategies of what we can do about it. So as I wrap up my little section now, I wanna to talk to you about these three things here. And the first one is about dopamine. And you probably know it, it's a chemical that our bodies produce. It's usually referred to as the feel good chemical. All right? And if you've heard me speak at all anything about uh, adolescent brain and so on, you'll know part of what I'm going to speak about just really briefly now. But dopamine is produced 
when, uh, in a bunch of different situations. It's produced when Mike Bray goes running or any of us do exercise like that. That's partly why we would do those sorts of things. I've got a young man that I'm working with at school at the moment who is uh, feeling quite depressed at the moment. And one of my encouragements for him is to keep up his exercise. In fact, better than going for a walk in the afternoon, make it a jog because that dopamine will be there. And he knows about that. Dopamine is released when we are in intimate situations. Uh, dopamine is released in a bunch of different ways. It helps us to feel good and it helps us to come back to those things that make us feel good. Dopamine is released when we are online. Dopamine is particularly released if we're online and we see something that really gets our attention, whether that is something that is, let's use an old fashioned word, titillating, um, that, that uh, attracts us uh, to something that might be sexualized, or even just the fact that we feel validated by something on the screen. It's partly why platforms, uh, some platforms now, will no longer show maybe the number of followers that you have or who those followers are or how many likes you're getting because it was acknowledged that that was feeding this dopamine hit, this addictive quality that was coming from those social media sites. So dopamine is an issue for our young people because they will go there, they will be validated, they will possibly see something that is inappropriate and it produces that dopamine in their body and they will want to come back to get more of it. Like a drug, it can, you can get into a situation where the amount of dopamine being released, released in your body is no longer enough. And so you will go more, harder, further to get more of it. Why is this a big issue for our young people? One of the things that's happening to the adolescent brain is that it is rewiring. It is going through a process where it, it quite literally is going from something, uh, one form into another form, a little bit like uh, a chrysalis from the, the caterpillar going through to a butterfly. That's why sometimes your child's brain's like mush. There's not much going on there. Well, there is, because what's happening is that new neurological pathways are being laid down. New links, new skills and abilities, and old skills and abilities that they're not um, being a part of will get pruned and, and cut away. But these new neurological pathways are there to create the new adult that they will become. Now you think what's happening here when kids are on social media sites and a dopamine hit happens, and so a starting point to a finishing point, something that they saw potentially on this pathway of, of going from this point to this point where the end point is a dopamine hit, they will come back to that again because there's a dopamine hit, it feels good. And they will do it again and again and again to the point that it then becomes a neurological pathway that is formed in their young adolescent brain. And those neurological pathways are then there for life. Now it doesn't mean they can't be pruned away later or they can't be overcome later, but some of this negative behaviour becomes patterned behaviour in our young people that could and probably will have an impact on them for the rest of their life. That's scary, right? Now remember, social media is not inherently bad. The way we use social media makes it good or bad. But the addictive quality that's there, even simply from the fact that a screen is so enticing, the way that it works, even right back to the earliest television, um, people were recognising that the screen itself was enticing. People would be focused in on that screen and the rest of the world disappears. Even that is enough to start uh, affecting our young people and ourselves. We easily can get addicted to things like social media, screen use and the like. So I'm gonna let Belinda jump in from here. And there's a bunch of stuff around wellbeing that she's gonna be able to talk to you about. But can I say, there'll be a chance to ask some questions later on if you've got anything around that adolescent side of things, like I said, it was a really quick flyover, please come and ask. Uh, I'm really happy to chat through some stuff in that space. I hope that you feel a little bit aware of some of these websites and why they can be dangerous and what impact it can have on our young people. Thank you.
well, I feel like Tinkerbell because now I'm going <laughs> to talk about the sort of things that I talk about here. And um, social media is something that I talk about with students every day. Uh, students come into my office and they're coming to talk about different things. Social media comes up every time. It is their, it's their world. It's the world that we're in. It's the world they're in. And it's our job to kind of talk them through it. So I found this really great study, and I love it because it's from UQ, um, an associate professor from the School of Psychology. And she says that there are some direct correlations between social media use and depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, envy, and loneliness. Social media doesn't cause these things, but it, it can impact. So if you or your children are impacted in any way by these things, social media can actually have an impact. So just be aware of that. And I know for me, um, I can look at some sites and go, oh, they look really good in that. I don't look like that. You know, it's easy to just slip into this track of comparison. And if that's me with my very old brain, these, our teenagers are not able to do that as much. So just be aware of that. Um, we're not going to tell you to take social media off your kids. That's not why we're here. But there are some reasons to limit why, limit their social media. Um, addiction, evidence of poor online behaviour and mental illness. So addiction, uh, if you see that social media use is affecting sleep or homework, that's a problem and you'll probably need to address it. And if you can do it early, then that's great. Uh, there are lots of people out there who can also help you. Um, if, you uh, if you tell your child it's time to put social media away to do something else and you get uh, pushback, quite aggressive, uh, that could also be a sign of addiction as well. So a teenager who you can say, after this episode of Bluey, I don't know if you watch Bluey, after this game, after this level, when there's a natural break, how about you put that away and we'll go walk the dog? If your teen can say, oh, okay, and they can do that, that's self-regulation, that's a really good sign. If you are getting that real anger when you're trying to take a phone or a device, you might want to start looking at some strategies, okay? Um, poor online behaviour. If you were driving a car recklessly and you crashed into buildings and people, we'd take your licence. Social media is open slather. You can say and do whatever you like without a whole lot of consequence. If you are seeing your child asking for sending nudes, being racist, inflammatory comments, they're probably not responsible enough to be on social media. So there needs to be a conversation there. So it's with everything. If you want to use these things, you need to be responsible and um, thinking of others. Linda, can I jump in for a second? Yes. I just thought of something there. One of the, one of the things we know about our adolescence is uh, the last part of the brain to develop is the frontal lobe, mm. which is the part that is about uh, appropriate decision-making. And so we give our kids the keys to a social media site. We give our kids, but we don't give our kids the keys to a car. Yet the potential for danger is very similar. They can't make a rational decision. They, we've seen ourselves, Belinda, haven't we? Kids yeah. come and talk to us about the mistakes that they have made. They've said something that they would never say to a person's face, yeah. but they feel safe even though they're not and their frontal lobe is not kicking in to allow them to make a wiser decision than they did. Yeah. And also things like bullying and inflammatory comments and being racist and stuff in a really twisted way gives them a dopamine hit. So it's a scary place. Um, if your child is showing any signs of depression, anxiety, eating disorders, um, uh, you know, you need help. It may not be social media, but it is good to limit it uh, because those things, as we said before, there's correlations between the two. I don't know how you did this whole thing without notes because I'm very scared I'm going to forget. Okay, um, Mr Bray, our fearless leader, 
Uh, he has this saying that it's gradually then suddenly. I thought it was some, you know, well-being management guru, but it wasn't. It was Ernest Hemingway. And he used this when he talked about how he got poor. Is that right? The question was, how did you become bankrupt? And he said, gradually then suddenly. Yeah. So, and I just... <laughs> I'm a bit of a Mr. Bray fan, but he says it and I always think that's so clever because you can say it for lots of things. You know, we didn't get to, you know, you don't become chubby suddenly. It's a gradually, then suddenly. But it's also with social media. Like I look with our children, we gave, we had an iPad that the children shared and like Crossy Road and Angry Birds and Fruit Ninja. And that was pretty much all they used it for. And now... I look at their use and it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's different apps and they don't message, they don't text message, apparently that's not cool, they communicate through Instagram Messenger, like it's a whole different world. So gradually apps started and suddenly we've got kids who are using all these different forms of media to communicate. So just be aware of that and things are changing all the time. People are these apps that they're making, just developing all the time. Um, I want, we want to empower you. We want you to come away from tonight with some things that you can implement at home. Um, I went to a seminar with our lovely counsellor, Ruth Golke, and it was with Peter Janetsky, who's like a neuroscientist, from, he's amazing. And I asked a really dumb question. Uh, so I'll, uh, I'll tell you what my dumb question was. Uh, at the end, he said, oh, any questions? And I was like, yes. How do we get teenagers off their phones? They're on their phones all the time. It's so annoying. And he said, oh, is this your kids? And went, well, yes, okay, it's my kids. And they said, oh, who gave them a phone? I was like, <laughs> I did. Who paid for the phone? <laughs> I did. Who pays for the internet? Well, I did. And he's like, well, it's your phone. So it's your phone. So it's your responsibility. And it really changed the way I look at phones. So we have, we have lovely children, the brave children are lovely, but they do push it. And there have been times when we have had to say, even to our eldest daughter, do you know what? Enough of the phone use, we're taking it. It's mine. Um, you can get it back when, this wasn't recent, this was a few years ago, my beautiful <laughs> Annika. Uh, so we have had to actually step in and say, our phone, our internet, it's ours, we will, we will take it from you if you're not behaving appropriately with your phone. Okay, not, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so dumb question, who owns the phone? You do, and it's your, it's your thing. Oh, that's a really clumsy way to say it, but we are the parents. That's what I want to empower you with. We are the parents, we set the boundaries. Um, Think about some really good family boundaries for tech. It's, and I say family boundaries, it's tricky. Our kids say it to us often. We'll say, get off your phones. And little Marcus will say, you're on your phone. I'm like, that is so true. Uh, but with, as a family, we do have some things that we do. So here are some rules that the Brays have in our house. Um, all phones and laptops are charged in one spot away from bedrooms. Our house is two-storey, so everything gets charged downstairs and bedrooms are upstairs. Um, there are times when the Wi-Fi goes off, so it just goes off. Um, our children are only allowed social media accounts if we are friends with them on it. So see some great Instagram stuff from my two very different children. Um, we have full access to their phones and accounts. We have Apple, what is it called? Apple Family Subscription. Apple Family Subscription. So our kids can't download an app unless we approve it. So there have been things that we have not approved. We're like, no, no Snapchat, absolutely no. So that's been great, a really good boundary for us. Um, we randomly will get our kids' phones and check messages and we check what apps they've got. Um, that's entertaining. And... Again, our kids are kind of used to this. We've been doing this for a while, so they'll go, oh, okay, and hand over their phones. But it's just a way for us to have some boundaries, let them know that they're not alone in the social media world because it can be scary. Um, we don't give them time to clean up before we take their phones. We don't go, we're taking your phone at 8 o'clock, and they go, quick, 
delete. So um, a really good way just to make sure there's a conversation about phones and things. Uh, oh, I'm in the wrong order. Oh, I've sped ahead without my notes. Um, okay. Mm, did I just skip one? Oh, no. No, I didn't. Okay, good. Um, how you can empower your child in regards to social media. The best, best, best thing you can do is to talk to your kids. Have conversations about not just social media, but everything. But if you're worried about your child's social media use, just talk to them about it. What are you looking at? What are you scared of? Have you seen something you didn't like? Did you see something you did like? Were you inspired? Those sort of things. But talk to your kids. It's so important to have an open conversation about everything with your kids. But we're looking at social media, so talk to your kids about it. Make it an open conversation where they can then feel safe to talk to you if they've seen something they're worried about. Um, empower your child to block people who do not align with their values or who are behaving badly. I have a girl who, who's in my office at least, or often. She will not delete Snapchat and she is getting so bullied and she'll switch accounts and all these people will find her again and then they just, some of the stuff these people say to her is horrendous and she will not delete it. And I just think, and I you should, these, our kids need to be empowered to block, delete, not respond. Because these words that these people are saying who don't know her are like earworms. They're like, they're becoming who she is. And that's not her. So empower your kids to just delete apps. Just get rid of it. Block people. We want good people in our lives. That includes real face-to-face -face people, but also our online people. Um... Do and plan fun things with your child and your family and help them forget their phones. I think I was talking to some mums beforehand where we were saying how we're seeing more and more that a phone or an iPad is being given as a little babysitter at the shops or something like that. We actually need to, we can do better. So I'm, say, I'm not saying I don't want to judge those mums because hard, it's hard having little kids in trolleys and things. but. For our teenagers, it's probably far better for them to go for a hike or a bike ride or a dog walk or that sort of thing rather than sitting on a device. As easy as it is to say, you know, you do that and we'll do this and I'll quickly get this job done. Plan some things to do. Social media is a small part of their lives, but we are the bigger part and we can help them build better memories than a screen. Okay. Replacing social media in your house. Um, again, we're not saying get rid of it. We're saying limit it. Um, hardest one, number one, we have to set the good example. We have to be the ones that model the behaviour you want to see. So that is, from time to time, us putting our phones away. So Mike and I will often, not often, sometimes, uh, Mike will say to me, put your phone down, and I'm like, Oh, yes, okay, and I have done the same. You get distracted and you get in the little flow of what you're looking at. But if, you don't want, if we don't want our kids to do that, then we shouldn't really do that either. So check yourself and then we can uh, help our kids. Have other activities lined up. I've got some ideas for that. Um, move away from a device at a natural break. I think I mentioned that before. Um, I've seen videos where a mum just goes and rips the phone out from a child's hand and they're like, I was at level 99. That's really distressing. So just have really calm conversations. After this level, let's do something else. That's a really calm strategy to help um, get to the next activity. Good example, good family boundaries for your tech. Super important. Laptops, out of bedrooms, no phones near your head when you sleep. Um, some activities to replace social media. Puzzles and games, go old school, go analogue. Um, hobbies such as art, music, sport, cooking, reading. Uh, we have a bring back the play date. Um, I've got a friend who was so sick of her son on Discord playing games all the time. She went, we brought back the play date. And so every Friday afternoon, her son's allowed to invite a friend over and they'll go and just do something with the dad. They'll, the three of them will hang out. And now he's got a bit of a lineup. He's got, oh, 
such and such wants to come next week and such and such. Oh, you can have a few friends. So now they have a car full of kids every other Friday afternoon and they're doing all sorts of things, no tech, getting messy, muddy, being outside. And so I encourage you to try that. And if we don't want our iPads to babysit kids, the best alternative is other kids. Kids playing with kids is great. Then you can get your folding done when the kids are playing. Okay. Um, social media isn't bad. It's not. There are some really good things. As David said, it's a great way to connect. I see my beautiful students I taught in year four in Essex in London. I see them having kids and sharing their bluebell pictures and things all the time. I love it. I love being able to see the lives of the people I've met in other places. But it is good to do some cleanups. So this algorithm spring clean, that comes straight from Bri, our brilliant marketing lady. Uh, every so often, she says once a month, she'll go through her feed and she will say, don't want to see any more of that or any more of that. Hide, 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 hide. And she will only keep the things in her feed that bring her joy. And it's a really, and I've done that, it's really great. So now I'm getting more dog videos and more, like the things I love to see, cooking, uh, interior design. I love that. So then when I do look at my phone, it's stuff that is edifying to me. I love that. Uh, surround yourself. Uh, don't use social media to numb yourself. Oh, I do this. I do. You get tired in the afternoon and you get home and you sit down and you think, I'll just flick through messages and before you know it, you've lost an hour and you're like, gosh, could have done something more useful. Try to not let it numb you. Um, surround yourself with positive influences. So be really selective about who you follow and who you pause on. Um, because that's what, um, that's what it's going to give you more of. Um, practice gratitude. We could do a whole information session on how important gratitude is. I love that this God principle has come into the mainstream because it is so good for us. A simple thing that I do every day is when I, before I go to sleep, three things I'm thankful for, and it literally changes your brain chemistry. If you are grateful for three things every day for 31 days, it does more for your brain than an antidepressant. And I think, gosh, God's so good. There's so many things. You don't have to stop at three. But I encourage you to try a daily practice of gratitude and even do this with your kids. We do it over dinner. What are you grateful for today? And you have all these things. And it's a beautiful thing to do, but it's so good for us. Um, lots of research, lots of research about gratitude. Set a time limit for scrolling. In Bri's notes, she had one minute, but that wasn't very long. <laughs> so maybe five. Uh, so just set a time limit. Some apps have a time limit. So you can go into the settings of an app and say, I'm only on there for one minute. Uh, and it will just turn off. It will just shut down. Very clever. Um, loved what David said about the dopamine. Um, you need to replace that dopamine drive. And Bri has, and I've heard her say this many times, don't no free dopamine. Get your own. Work for it. Find the things that make you happy and that bring you happiness to your family and that will help you not need it from your phone, from social media. And that's the same for your kids. Help them find what they love. Help them find what lights them up and do more of that. Um, so this, I'm nearly at the end. This is it. Um, there's some really good news about all this stuff. Um, rewiring your brain is possible for us and for our kids. So easy. Gratitude is the simplest way you can rewire a brain and um, just to see the world in a more positive way. Uh, we are control, in control of our social media. We decide. We don't have to just accept what Instagram or Facebook feeds us. We can choose. Delete, block, unfollow, that sort of thing. Uh, if we can consume social media mindfully, we can have a mind full of good things, which is great. And I love Philippians 4, verse 8 to 9, and I found it in the message and I was like, oh my gosh, this was written thousands of years ago, but it could have been written today. So summing it all up, friends, I'd say, I, I'll say, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, 
the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realised. Do that and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. I think that's what we want for all of us. And if we're filling our minds with great things, I, just, I love that verse. It's good. Uh, we have made some resources for you because we didn't want it to just this be dump information. We want you to be able to take something into your family. So again, David and I had this idea and the media team pulled it off. We have these, oh yeah, I'll call on you in a minute. We have these conversation cards. So everyone, every family gets a set. There's five cards. On one side, it says ask. And on the other side, there's a little challenge, little challenge, don't be put off. And the idea is to bring back conversation in your family. Something our family loved during COVID, all these people go, oh, we hated COVID. The Brays really liked it because we just sat around and talked and we had lots of great conversations about lots of different things. So this sort of thing, our family would really go for. We'd go, oh, what's the next question? So this first question is, who, what, is an what is an influencer and who influences you? So at dinner time, that's a great little question. Uh, remember it for when you're driving. Don't read and drive. Um, but just little things, little simple questions, anything that unlocks a conversation. And I know there's a lot of boy mums here, boy parents, hard to get them chatting, but they might chat about social media. Um, and some of the challenges, my favourite of the challenges that we came up with was to stroll instead of scroll. So take a 10-minute stroll instead of scrolling. So the fresh air and the light exercise have a great positive impact on your mind, body and soul. So there's just, we just want to empower you. We want better families. We want better communication. We want the best for you and your kids. The dream is that when you come to the next parent event, we'll have another set of questions about the topic. So by the time we've got through a few of these nights, you've got so many great things that you can talk to your kids and your family about. So that's what we're doing. Um, I just keep, anyway, this kind of sums up my job, but I love community and we're really trying to build this back at Highlands after COVID. So we lost a lot. We missed, we missed hanging out. So we have these community events that we're running. So we have girls and boys events. We've had them in the last two weeks. So last week we had a girls event for secondary. We sang along to Moana, it was fun. Um, the boys had a night on Monday night where they did the strongman of Highlands and ate sausages and bread. It was great to see them. Um, on Saturday, we've got a ladies' long lunch. So all these things of ways to bring community together. So um, I love these things. There's dad's events coming soon. Oh, yes, I'm going to get your name and number. <laughs> so we're looking at ways that we can draw different parts of our community together to build a really strong foundation for our kids. So much research into how much better kids are when home and school and community overlap. So my heart is that we can give these, give you great opportunities to connect so that our kids are really well connected as they grow. Um, and then our first parents only event. This is exciting. Um, other events, other programs that we run at school are around this sort of um, personal strength sort of stuff. In primary, they do bridge builders, which I love it. It's great. Uh, year nine, we do Write Journey. Big plug for Write Journey, such a great program. Uh, it's new this year for us. We've actually got way more time to invest in it. So super excited. Um, so when your kids come into year nine, um, it's a really great program for, uh, what am I, what's the word? It's about, Rite of it, passage. Yeah, it's a rite of passage. It's about hitting, hitting that mark in your life where things can be different because you make a decision to make yeah. it different. Such a great program. So when that comes through... We're putting resources together to give you more information about that program. Year 11, we do the mateship program and then they mentor our year sevens, which is such a lovely thing to do. So we try in our school to really build community. It's our, it's my heart. And then I make the school let me do these crazy things. 
but um, it's my heart that we have a strong community for you and for your kids. Thank you. I think that's it from me. Thank you. Are there, does anyone have any questions? We might hand them out at the end. Yeah. Any questions? Any? What does Mr. Brace? No, I won't say that. Yes. Um, so you talked about as parents, you know, you see little kids in prams with or strollers with screens and stuff. My friend's a midwife, and she said it's really sad. Mums breastfeeding now are on their phones mm. instead of looking at the oh, baby yes. and watching the screens. And you think, what chance do these kids have? They're so little, and they don't even get the attention of their parent. Yeah, it's hard. Um, our head of early years has been um, talking about handwriting. So beautiful Vicky Davy here. And she's finding it harder and harder because kids have an overdeveloped pointer finger because they're swiping. So I was watching a little mums group and the kids were really tiny in the cafe the other day and all the kids had a colouring book and were colouring. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the best thing I've seen. So it was really lovely. So we need to make sure we're keeping some of these simple things looking at babies, using pencils, because it's much better for our brains than a screen. My wife's a speech pathologist and uh, she despairs at the reducing rate of literacy mm. um, because kids are not being read to by their parents. They are not reading themselves. She had a parent turn up with a four and a half year old mm. and the mum's going, you know, I'm not, I think something's wrong. And Judith's saying, well, you know, how much, how much reading, you know, are they reading yet? And the mum was like, oh, I thought we'd get to that fairly soon. You start reading at zero to your kids, you know, but we've got these younger parents, younger than all of us here, who are not understanding the impact that things like social media is happening in their own lives. Yeah. And now in the lives of their young people, they're, they're little tiny kids as well. Yeah. And I mean, we see that. I've got a, a five-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old two grandkids, a granddaughter, grandson, and, you know, our, our son and daughter-in-law read, 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 and our grandson at two-and-a-half is blowing my wife's brain because <clears throat> he is so literate, uh, way more than what she would expect, which is wonderful, and that's what we want for our kids. Yeah. 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 Yes. Wi-Fi free time, is that um, unscheduled? It just kind of... Oh, no, I mean, at night we just turn the Wi-Fi right, off. Okay. But, yeah, you we do have... Um, <laughs> we went to... We had a weekend away with some cousins and after dinner they all said, oh, let's do some reading time. And we were like, what is this? And they all went to the lounge room and they all brought, pulled out books and they all sat and read and drank tea. And we were like well, this is lovely. And then one of them would say, oh, I've just read about this farming technique. And someone said, oh, that's very interesting. That's, and they had this beautiful conversation. And Mike and I went, wow, that's so cool. So we do that. We were doing that once a week for a long time, just a family reading night. And our kids miss it. And every so often they'll go, can we do reading night tonight? And you're like, sure, <laughs> that'll be great. And so we sit and drink tea and read books. And it's just schedule, it, that's not schedule, but Wi-Fi wi free time as a family is precious. It's and, so easy um, to suddenly, like gradually and suddenly, suddenly lose some really valuable things that you probably put in place when your kids were little, but <clears> now <throat> that they might be adolescents, you let go. Things like yeah. reading or a family night or tonight we're just going to all sit and watch a movie together and it might be the daggiest Disney movie ever, but we are going to do it together and it's so easy. I mean, my, my youngest is 22 um, and so I've got adult kids, but even I'm noticing at the moment, there are, there are four of us in the house at the moment, our youngest daughter and, a, and another young man that's living with us and Judith and myself. And we can be, we'll sit and watch the news, for example, and the news stops and then all of a sudden I'm looking around and the, all four of us are on our phone. And it's so easy to fall into that trap for all of us. So what is it that you want? What do you want to reclaim in the life of your family, in the lives of your kids? What are you prepared to do to reclaim it? That's so critical. Yep. So, yeah. 
talking about Wi-Fi free. I think unlimited data feels like Wi-Fi free. <laughs> yeah. The, um, I don't think there's anybody, well, not that I know out there who's saying, I wish I had more time to spend on the phone. That's right. It's actually a thief that's just taking, but gradually and then suddenly. But the the whole thing is, I haven't really seen any anywhere where, like we've had some really great practical suggestions in that, I'm not saying a support group or anything, but it's about the community as mm. well and making people aware. They're all aware of it, but nobody's, well, people aren't really doing anything proactive yeah. to, to, I know. to arrest the problem. I agree. So, you know, what is there anything out there that's, you know, you could even point others to? Because, or, or like you said, yep, this we'll record podcast, this. <laughs> Are there other things that are... Yeah, we need to work on that. And as I I read the list of all the parents coming in, I'm like, oh, I feel like we're preaching to the choir. These You guys are invested in your kids enough to come out on a Thursday night. Uh, But I guess we just need to set the example and talk to other families. Um, In terms of uh, self-help groups or whatever, yeah, they exist. Um, But it tends to be maybe psychologists who are working in a small group of kids who are at the extreme of addiction. And that's not the majority of our kids. And we don't want our kids to ever get to that place where we've got to, you know, send them off for three weeks to a detox camp with a set of psychologists uh, to help them get better. We don't want to be there. So it's about the little things that we can do now, like you say, to arrest this, this tsunami that can happen so easily. But there are plenty of other things that can happen. Belinda's giving you some really good strategies tonight. And I, I love, one thing I hadn't seen was uh, Briar's stuff about uh, no, free no free dopamine. dopamine yeah. Wow. That just, that really struck me. No free dopamine. Have your kids earn the dopamine hit, not be given it free on a screen. Uh, that's powerful enough. And even if you can talk to your kids about that one concept, do you know what? You're getting dopamine for free. What if you earned it? Imagine how different that would be in your life if you set a goal and you aimed for that goal and you achieved that goal. Imagine what that would do for you. If you can get your kids into that mindset and you can demonstrate that yourself, maybe it means that everybody in your family is going to set a goal. Everybody's going to go, well, this is the one thing that I really want to do, you know. I might say, well, I want to run an ultramarathon like Mike Bray. Well, I would die, but (laughs) it might be something like that that, you know, you're going to go, that I actually want to set a goal and I'm going to walk with my kids so that they see me struggle, push through, achieve, and they will feel empowered to do the same thing in their own life. That non-free dopamine then will also start to shape their life, but in in such a more positive way than just simply being on a screen. Yeah, agree. Uh, Yes? Can I have a minute to talk about something? I guess so. It's terrible because Just talk into my microphone. I'll give you. I'll give you this one. Oh, okay. That would have been creepy. <laughs> I'm. I'm sitting here going. I'm here as a supporter tonight, and to learn as well. That's the only reason I came, honestly. But I'm just almost feeling convicted that I want to share something with you. I guess from from an inside perspective, because one of the most damaging things I've seen appears to be one of the most innocuous. And we can talk about these bad apps, and we can talk about predators and all that sort of thing. The most damage I've seen is group chats Mm. and we're all part of them. I'm part of a family group chat with some people in this room and we're adults who use it to arrange family gatherings. I'm in a group chat with other people in the room because we're soccer parents at the same soccer club. Those things are incredibly helpful but I think even of the soccer group chat, a couple of dads start talking and, and suddenly a conversation around the game on Saturday, they're having this conversation as if they're at the pub And you forget that there's 20 other people looking at that. Our kids don't have the capacity to handle that environment. So something as simple, text messaging can be a group chat. So it doesn't have to be a suspicious app or anything. 
And I've just been sitting here reflecting over what I've had to deal with as a principal and most, there's two big things that have actually ended in kids ending their time at Highlands. For some reason, it's cool to post yourself behaving badly online and kids don't, they think it's private. They think, they think only their friends see it, but things very quickly go viral. That's such an old daggy word, but that's what happens. And we've had issues just recently where things that were posted on platforms that you can only see for a minute, someone screenshots it or records the video and then suddenly every kid in Toowoomba's seen it. And the problem with that is I can't say to the child that behaviour is, let's deal with that pastorally because suddenly I've got a 1,000 kids and parents watching going, how are they going to deal with that? Do they accept that behaviour at Highlands? Does that make sense? Kids don't realise that there's a big audience out there. But what I guess I want to talk to specifically is this concept of a group chat. And I've seen it. I'm going, going to go back a couple of years here. I'm not going to say how many because I don't want to identify people. A parent doing exactly what these guys talked about actually looked at their child's phone, saw the script, if you like, of this group chat and went, that is not okay. They screenshotted it. They brought it to me, <laughs> which I'm glad they did. It was a year seven group chat you know, class of whatever. And you can just watch how the conversation unfolds. Hey, how was your day? What happened in maths today? Isn't Miss such and such or whatever? And you just watch it spiral. And it almost, particularly for the boys, becomes this case of, I can say something worse than you. One-upmanship. It's yeah. one-upmanship. And then the conversation turned about, turned to a girl in that grade. And it became sexualised, it became violent. They started talking about her parents. And these are kids I would never have imagined would have engaged in that sort of conversation and they wouldn't have in real life. And this was a new one for me going, none of this happened at school. What's my responsibility? And I thought, well, I've got to deal with it because what do they say? All it takes for evil to thrive is for good people to do nothing. And I thought, I've got to do something. So I started by contacting the parents and one parent said, oh, no, that can't be my son. He doesn't have that app. And I'm looking at this and I said, you need to come in and have a look at this. So what I actually did, this is my strategy, I'm saying this being recorded, when these things come up and they have consequently from time to time, I actually print the script out. I do it in multiple and I'll get the child in and I'll actually highlight what they said in this group conversation and I'll put it down on the table and say, can you read back to me what you said, please? And their eyes go like dinner plates. I said, no, 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 you were prepared to say this to an audience of 50 year seven, so surely it's okay. And they'll get to the first F or they'll get to the first this and they just burst into tears. I've had a couple of people bold as brass just read the whole thing and look at me. I'm like, wow, you're cold. I don't know how you can do that. Um, but you just see the penny drop that that's not okay. And... Um, and I've had parents who've, parents sitting in tears going, I can't believe my child said this. And it's printed in front of them, but there's no one for them to go. And so it's not just, I actually did this with one child. I put it and said, right, read back to me. And he got two words. He went, sorry, sir, what's this got to do with you? I got over the shock of that. I actually got angry. I said, you go to my school. They go to my school. They go to my This girl goes to my school. And her dad was here at eight o'clock this morning looking for you because he actually wanted to kick your head in. That's a true story. We had to get the parent out before we dealt with the situation. So I guess that's way too many words, but I guess what I want you to see, it's not necessarily the app. It's, it's that concept of an online conversation which is unfiltered with, with none of that face-to-face -face barriers to saying what you feel like. But the thing is, this particular conversation involved four people, but I could see from the screenshot, 57 other people watched that play out. 50 other seven people read about a girl being absolutely denigrated in their year level, and that's not okay. I felt for those kids. Takeaway line, please check your kids' phones. Be brave to come and have a conversation with me. I'll keep you anonymous. Um, but really, don't, don't just be looking for the, for the bad apps. Look for them, but look at the conversations and particularly those group chats. They can get out of hand really, really quickly. Thank you for letting me have this. Okay. Okay, well, I think that's, we've talked to you a lot. Thank you so much for coming.
uh, your support is amazing. Thanks to Mike and Mia. It's nice to have leadership here. Um, there, it's yeah, it's lovely. I know Mike is my husband, but he's also my boss, and he also is really supportive of my role here. And Mia, such a great cheerleader and really supportive of everything we do. So, just um, yeah, thanks for letting me do these things, and it's such an honour to have this role in the school and just um, an honour to walk through these sort of things with your kids too, like we're in classrooms with a lot of them and they're delightful and our heart is for them. So, um, yeah, I don't know how to finish with my crazy octopus dance. And thank you. Thanks, everyone.